You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible Without further ado, I got some stories to keep you hopefully wildly entertained and uh, all things considered. That's a good thing, I think. This one's a little longer. It's coming from California. All right, so this one says, In 1961, the world was a really different place. I had roller skates with metal wheels, one bike, and no reason not to use my imagination. I had a library card and I frequented the neighborhood park, and no one was out of shape and the kids played outdoors most afternoons. We didn't watch much TV, and we had lots of adventures. We would go down to the end of the alley, climb the aged eucalyptus trees, and I pretended to be a pirate sailing on a great ship, and at other times I was an acrobat in a traveling circus. As a young child, my eyes didn't want to miss a thing, and it was hard for me to sleep at night, and this was the most exciting time of all. You see, I was just learning to use my gifts. And it was fun to sit in the dark and see what wandered by. That's interesting. Very cool. Pretending to be asleep, I would listen for my mom's bedroom door closing, and as soon as she finally went to bed, I'd hop out of bed and climb into the window and uh, the window seat by my bed, staring out in, into the darkness. I searched for the wandering spirits, and I felt safe doing this, and none of them ever actually tried to harm me. 
They just stared back, aware that I could see them, but they only looked away, and I saw them coming and going, wandering and entering the residences around our house, and every once in a while a ghost would wander through our house, but by the time I sneaked out of my room to look for him or her, no one would actually be there. It was a nightly game for me, but I was a kid, and what did I know? The first time I saw a ghostly apparition of a dog, I wanted him to call him to me, and he was so handsome to look at. I think he was a golden retriever, but he might have been some other breed. His coat was silky, sable color, and he looked like he was smiling, and he passed my house the first time, running along at a fast pace, and he saw me staring at him, and he stopped to wag his tail. He looked like he was looking for someone, and he ran off. My nightly window watching became more intense when I didn't see the ghost dog go by. I stayed up far too late while trying to catch a glimpse of him. I pretended he was my dog and was heartbroken when he didn't show. My mom wondered why I was so sleepy in the morning, but I just couldn't tell her. She would get mad at me and I would be punished. I'd been staying up later and later and one night the ghost dog stopped at my house. He stood on the front lawn and wagged his tail at me, and I think he wanted me to go outside, and stupidly, I went. The moment I sneaked out the back door, I knew it was the wrong thing to do. I was cold, and the grass was wet, but I, didn't, I hadn't thought to grab my robe or to put on my slippers, and I just wanted to pet my dog. And quietly, I walked on my tiptoes. I didn't want Mom to hear me outside, so I was really, really quiet. When the ghost dog saw me, he turned towards me. He was a big dog, almost as big as me, and I stopped walking. And I didn't know what to do next, and never having actually owned a dog before, I was unsure how to make him come to me. Well, he lowered his head and sort of growled. Well, this couldn't be right, I thought. He was a nice dog, through the window. But standing a few feet away, I wasn't so sure anymore. His ghostly body had taken on a, a darkness, like he was dripping in shadows, and I didn't like it. He took one tiny half-step toward me, and I took a step back, and his doggy smile now took on an awful grin. You're probably wondering how a dog can have an evil smile, and believe me, if I could explain it better, I really would. It was just evil. Take my word for it. The growl became guttural, and I knew he was going to bite me. So I turned away and ran, and I could hear him right behind me. I knew if I stopped to catch my breath, he would catch me and hurt me. While I rushed through the back door of my home and slammed it shut, of course I woke my mom, and she was pretty upset at me for going outside, and I was breathing fast and hard and vowed not to share this with anyone, not even my own mom. She dragged me by the arm back to my room, and after a stern yelling session uh, over the dangers of leaving the house, blah, 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 she tired of lecturing me and left my room. As soon as the click of the bedroom door hit my ears, I was out of bed and staring out the window, and at first, I didn't see the ghost dog. He came out of the shadows as soon as he saw me. He bares his teeth at me, and saliva was dripping down his jowls. His eyes had taken on a glow, and he looked possessed. Of course, it made sense to me now. This wasn't a ghost dog at all. It was a deceiver, a liar, a demon. 
I listened and I learned a lot in Sunday school and I would never go outside at night again. This girl can wait as long as it takes. The ghost dog wouldn't get his teeth into me. I wasn't so anxious to have a dog, real or otherwise, after this experience. He came around for another week, but one night I didn't see him any longer and he was gone for good. I didn't miss seeing him out there in the dark, pacing back and forth, just daring me to come outside. That's horrible. That is really a, uh, that's a kind of tale that gives you chills. Ugh. I do envy that gift, though. I really do, of just looking out and being able to see these spirits wandering around. And, and I imagine she could probably communicate with most of them uh, or or does now. I don't know. Um, this is a tale, obviously, when she was younger. But what an incredible experience that is, uh, minus the the ferocious demon <laughs> dog. But other than that, it was pretty cool. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one, and this is from California as well. It says, throughout my life, I've been unfortunate or fortunate, depending on how you look at it, to live in several haunted homes. I'll start with the most recent, or the most extreme, rather, the house on 2nd Street. About 10 years ago, I lived in a Victorian in downtown San Jose, California. I rented the two-bedroom, two-bath downstairs portion of the estate, which I shared with my then boyfriend and roommate, and our portion of the house comes with a large parlor, living room, dine-in kitchen, storage room, backyard, and detached garage, and the house is located next to an abandoned church and across from a funeral home. Perhaps a funeral home changed the energy even more. Regardless, there were many supernatural and inexplicable occurrences that happened there. My very first experience in that house happened when I was reading in front in the front parlor one night and I was sitting on my L-shaped couch facing the bay windows at the front of the house and to my left past the wooden pillars was the entryway and where my tabby kitten Luna aka Bob realized later she was a male and was playing and he was playing with a bottle cap so it must have been lost during our last party as Luna slid the metal cap around on the linoleum floor I was intensely reading and tapping into my intuition, uh, uh, possibly my first mistake. My right ear was plugged, more than likely from cleaning it too often, and I was practically OCD about my ears back then. And I couldn't, couldn't hear too much out of my right ear, but I was disturbed, uh, I was disrupted in my reading when I heard a man's voice from the right side of the room. I turned and looked to my right and stared at the wall, the dark wall. I knew it wasn't my boyfriend because he was sleeping in our room, which wasn't adjacent to that wall. My roommate wasn't home, so I knew it was, wasn't him either. Even though the voice sounded like it came from the room I was in, I rationalized it by thinking that it must have come from the other side of the wall, which was a separate stairway entrance to the converted units upstairs. I noticed that it didn't... I didn't hear my cat playing on the floor. I turned and saw my orange tabby looking in the direction that the noise came from. A few seconds later, he looked over, connected eyes with me, and then continued playing with his newfound toy. I felt uncomfortable, yet I brushed off the sensation and continued reading. Several minutes passed, and I stopped reading as soon as I noticed Luna had stopped playing again. His paw was stretched out, touching the bottle cap as if he was frozen in a playing pose. He was fixated on that same direction, 
as to where the first noise came from, and this time his gaze was slightly to the right, just past me. At that moment, I felt a cold wave engulf the room. All at once, I felt pressure come over me, weighing me down from the right, and I couldn't move. I couldn't call for help. Before I even started to panic, I heard a loud, breathy whisper next to my ear, and I couldn't tell what the man's voice was saying, whether it it said it was seven or eight syllables long, and he didn't sound happy. Somehow I broke out of the restraint and ran to my room. Undeniably, I was a hysterical mess that night. Now thinking back, I'm unsure if I couldn't understand what the entity was saying because of how it came out or whether it was my plugged ear. I never heard that voice again after that night. Then again, I refused to be alone in the parlor day, day or night. Several months later, we had a Halloween party, and there were a few strange occurrences with guests on that night. During the party, I'd shared my experiences with a group of friends, and it was after this uh, a few friends confided in me that they experienced that very night in my home. One friend had been sitting in the front of the bay windows facing the into the room, and she heard her name several times being called, the voice seeming to come from her left. Of course, no one was there in that direction of the voice. A friend's boyfriend had gone to use the bathroom at the far end of the house, past the kitchen, and he was hesitant to share his experience since he didn't believe in the supernatural, but he told me he was standing in the bathroom when he heard someone enter the restroom. Well, the door was locked. It being a small bathroom, he knew he was alone, and he suddenly felt a force go through the front core of his body. The front core of his body, okay, and out the back. It happened quickly, but the force of it made him stumble back, and needless to say, his perception was changed that night. Months after these events, I had another experience in my room. I was sitting on my bed with my cat at my feet, reading a magazine. I was alone, and I felt stuck in my room because the light in the living room had burnt out. I'd gotten distracted while searching for a bulb. And it got dark out, and I would have to walk through the dark rooms in order to get to the front or back of the house, so I just took refuge in my room. In the middle of reading, I heard a noise coming from the parlor, then the living room, which was outside my room, alone in the house. Somehow, I knew that it wasn't someone that had broken in. It was something that was already there. I heard a big thud and a clanking sound come from the living room. And I recognized that the sound was the six-inch metal ladder falling to the floor. Or six-foot, rather, (laughs) six-inch. I had used the ladder to take out the dead light bulb from the ceiling lamp, and I was standing at the right side of my bed since I had leaped up when I heard the ladder crash to the floor. I quickly turned to look uh, at the left uh, end of my room, And as I did, my cat was now standing on my bed. We both had heard a scratching sound on the wall, and I remember trembling. But I was unsure if it was because I was cold or cold and scared. I quickly scanned the wall to see if what could have made the noise. And as I was doing so, I looked over at my cat because out of the corner of my eye, I saw him staring at something. And I watched him look from the left side of my room up towards the high ceiling and then quickly across the room to the right side above the dresser. At that instant, I knew something hit the wall, or I saw something hit the wall with a lot of force. 
I recognized it as a plastic hanger as it slid down the wall behind the dresser. Realizing something threw the hanger from across the room, I bolted out of my room, and as I was turning to the left to run through the kitchen and out the back door, the rear door flew open on its own, and the backyard light shined into the room, and no one was inside or outside who could have opened that door. I hesitated, not wanting to go back into my room, and I ran through the kitchen as fast as I could and out into the backyard. I didn't know what I was going to do from there since I didn't have my keys to leave in my car. Just then I turned towards the door to peer into the house since I heard something coming from the front of the house, and it was my boyfriend entering the house just arriving home from work. Obviously I survived the night, though it wasn't long after this happened that I did move out into the Fremont, into the Fremont Mansion, which is another story. Thank you for reading uh, about most of my experiences on 2nd Street, and I welcome your comments and opinions. That's, that's bizarre. I don't know if it was at all negative. I, think, I mean, of course, it's startling when things are flying around your room. I mean, that's, that, that's creepy, but it's creepy because we don't understand and we really can't see what the hell's going on. We can only deal with whatever it is they do. We, we can only deal with reacting with the actions they make. And that's, I suppose, kind of, uh, I don't know if it's humiliating or if it's just terrifying because we have no way to know what's next. I mean, if you saw a hanger fly across your room, hit your wall, slide down the wall behind your dresser. I mean, wouldn't you think, well, the next one's probably coming at me or something? I mean, I would. (laughs) That would be my next thoughts. Like, oh, now it's going to start chucking crap at me. This sucks. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey, guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in hope you guys are enjoying these i love these stories because i think that each one of them is a a great representation of just how freaky and bizarre this stuff is and i'm not saying that in a way that's you know i I, I'm, i'm never encouraging people to be afraid that's not what it's about but every one of these phenomena that we've been talking about or, or that we've been discussing tonight 
is incredible because whatever's going on is is absolutely in violation of the of the world that we know and not in not a violation in that it should not exist again i have to keep saying it over and over but i think the the paranormal's the breadcrumbs it's the it's the clues to what's possible and uh as as frightening as these clues may be they're still very incredibly profound and i think we stand to learn a lot by observing them and by trying to understand what it is that's going on and we could maybe even unlock new access to new energies that we weren't aware were there and i don't know if they could be tapped by some kind of machine or not but i'm talking about that we could access them you know by knowing that they're there can we do the same can we unlock our own abilities that seem to be kind of fenced off from us in our heads you know there there does seem to be like a barrier that's placed in our minds whether that's by design if we were indeed you know um some kind of product of of genetic manipulation by uh other beings or you know was it by design by the divine that we're not ready for that kind of power and what is what is the purpose of it but for some reason we are blocked off we have an incredible capability and you see that demonstrated in the savants you know the savants the blind mute kids that can't can't see or hear but they can sit at a piano or they can just hear and they can sit at a piano and recreate these amazing works or the savant that can take a glimpse at this new york skyline and sit down with a huge piece of paper and duplicate it exactly with the minute details and everything and these of course are are examples of you know our our mind creating understanding and and creating uh, or recreating minute detail and to be able to look at a keyboard hear the sounds and know how to duplicate complex uh co- compositions by just hearing the tones that it makes when you hit them and those are incredible uh measures of what could be possible and what is possible in our brains um but there's more i think there's esoteric things locked in there too there's awareness of these spirit worlds. Um, psychics are, are turned on naturally, but I don't think that they're any different than the rest of us. I think that, that whatever is going on with them, they just, were, for some reason or another, or for whatever reason, were born with those abilities just on. And uh, Sean and I have had discussions about that, and so have Deb and I. And uh, I don't think that it's anything that doesn't exist in every one of us. I think it's just part of who we are. We just don't know it yet. And so the the paranormal seems bizarre. It seems weird. It seems like, what, you know, oh, okay, yeah, your cereal bowl moved. All right. But I think that those things can happen. I've seen things move that shouldn't have been moving uh, many times in my life. And I don't, you know, I don't know how it's done. But I know it's done because I've witnessed it. I've seen a chandelier pull out of my ceiling and crash to the floor. Um, I've seen doors open and close on their own when there's no drafts or any other reasoning for that to happen. I've seen those kind of things in person. So if they can happen, if these people, these, these beings in many cases that were once people can do these things, then I imagine we can as well, but it probably takes a lot more, uh, a lot more energy or drive or determination to work through the blocks that are built into us. Um, I think we can work through them, though, and I, I think that that's important. 
that we don't just accept, well, we're just not ready for that, so we just might as well leave it alone. But we can turn on something. I mean, you know, people do develop uh, abilities. People do develop awarenesses that they didn't have before. Hell, it happens to a lot of paranormal investigators. Just by virtue of going into these supercharged paranormal experiences, they do end up developing a, a, a pretty intense empathy and awareness of the energies around them. And, and you know, they, they, they can sense when there's something not right because they've felt it before. And I think that that's the keys is that, you know, when we witness the paranormal, you're witnessing something that all of us probably are capable of. But again, just my thoughts. <laughs> I, I can't say that any of that is even true, but it is to me. That's my truth. So take it or leave it. I give it for free right here on the portal. I have a phone call, so I'm going to get to this. And this is area code 707. You're on the air. Hey there, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Who are we talking to tonight? Well, this is Mike. Hi, I'm, Mike. Uh, I live in Northern California over on the coast here in the Redwoods. Oh, wow. Beautiful. And, uh, oh, I just, I can't believe I'm calling in. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a former deputy sheriff over out of Central Oregon. And oh. I've been a logger and a ranch hand and buckaroo all my life. You know, over the last couple of months, I've really been been studying the Sasquatch stuff. And, oh, fantastic! Uh, just crazy things are happening all the time. And and uh, you know, I was a deputy sheriff until 2012 when I lost my my bid for sheriff to a high school buddy. Oh. So we moved down here to California from Oregon, and uh, and so now I'm back to logging again. And just because of crazy things that are going on in the last few months, I decided I was going to start researching. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, <laughs> I've just found your guys's uh, page here, and I love it. I love listening to the show. Oh, thank you, brother. Now, um, are, are you've experienced Bigfoot activity? I yes, sir. Yeah, oh, I, I believe cool. that's what it was. Um, I've experienced some crazy stuff. I've experienced paranormal activity. <laughs> I've had ghosts down in the Weaver County Market there in downtown Mitchell, Oregon throw boxes of cereal at us while we were trying to pick movies out. I've, <laughs> I mean, just crazy stuff that I can't explain. And, wow. and uh, you know, you hear of all these crazy encounters. And because of my law enforcement training, I, you know, you can kind of tell when people are telling the truth or not. Oh, sure. Yeah. Man, I've, I've been listening over the last couple of months between, between you know, you guys now and, and uh, what is it, Dixie Sasquatch and <laughs> yeah, every other... Yep. You know, thing on YouTube, because I'm working graveyard right now, feeding a biochar machine, so I, I've got some time to do this. <laughs> I mean, you just, the, the things people are saying out there, and there's got to be truth to it all. And from what I've seen, I believe every bit of it. You know, I, I'm going to tell, tell you a little something that here recently has happened to me that decided, that made me decide to continue this. Mm -hmm. this adventure I'm on. I mean, I'm just a broke, dumb logger now, and I don't have a lot of time or money to put into any of this. But, sure. you know, it's um, it's funny the way things happen in your life. And I'll tell you kind of a funny story. Uh, my wife and I were still in still in Oregon, and we were, um, we knew we were, I was, I'd already lost the sheriff's election, huh. so we knew that we were going to be moving down to um, Northern California. Okay. And, um and do you have time for this? Is this okay? Oh, absolutely. I got all the time you need. Okay. So when she called down um, 
to get our P.O. box, the number 545 was our P.O. box. Okay. And, um, and just that number is kind of an important number. And so we get down to the town that we live in, and um, the, middle, the, the middle number of the zip code is 545. <laughs> okay, that's weird. You uh-huh. know, I think that's sure. just kind of weird. Uh-huh. So after, a, after about a year of not working, I, we'd lived off my retirement that I pulled out of the sheriff's office. And, and after about a year of not working, I, I'd gotten another job. And, hmm. um, and it actually came with an office and a phone. And oh. next thing you know, I get the, um, my phone number, um, my extension is 545. <laughs> okay so this just kind of wow. it just blows me away that's why so anyway yeah i was uh and i've been thinking about this a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot and so i got on uh on google the other day and i just googled what does 545 mean sure and it actually took me to a uh a page on pinterest and it said 545 and i look at it and it's your angel number <laughs> and so I was, I can't remember exactly what it said, but it basically said to continue on the path that you're going on. Oh, right. And so I told my wife this story and, and, uh, and there's some other five, four, five things that come up that I just can't think about it right now. It's been a long day already, but <laughs> anyway, so the next day I'm thinking, man, now that I got this figured out, I'm probably going to wake up at five forty-five. I, I usually work six twelves and then go home on a weekend and, and usually I'm home for less than 24 hours, but Anyway, so then I, I woke up the next morning, and it was about 2 o'clock in the morning when I was home, and I, I heard YouTube playing, and oh, so I shut it off. And I got up later, and I got to looking, and I was listening to the Sasquatch Chronicles, episode 545. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of And I said, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I said something to my I wasn't going to say anything to my wife, but I got up that morning and, and I heard her holler for me because I snore, so I have a spare bedroom I sleep in half the time. <laughs> so I, I go in there and she goes, hi, honey, good morning, 545. And I just look at her and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's my stupid that's my stupid 545 story. Yeah, but so now I've, I've decided that I'm just going to keep on going down this uh, Sasquatch path that I'm working on here. That's excellent. I, and on, I, I think it's a great journey. I know that... Uh, I've loved all the researching that I've done and I've, you know, you learn a lot if you've got an open mind and it sounds like you do. Plus with all of your experiences to corroborate, uh, I think that's pretty powerful, but it's a, it's a rabbit hole. This stuff is a huge rabbit hole. You know, once you go down, you just, you never know how far it's going to go. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. To be totally honest with you, I'm scared to death to really go too much further. Cause if, if, if the Sasquatch is what I think it is, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm not sure if I want to go there, but I'm still going to do it. As I spin around here in the dark with my lights on my excavator now, it, in between the trees, I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> Is there anything looking out behind the, one of these redwoods at me? <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to be amazing. I mean, it's got to be beautiful up there, too. I That's on my bucket list to get to the redwoods oh, and yeah. see those. But um, Oh, yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely beautiful up here. There's a lot of activity yeah, that's sure. that's that's documented in the, in that region too. That's a hot spot region for sure. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. We're uh, we're kind of near. I, I don't really want to say exactly where sure. we are, but uh, you know, we're kind of more central coast. Uh, we're about um, probably two hours. We're we're near. I guess you'd say Wallala, California. Oh, okay. That's where our the company is that I work for is up here. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's phenomenal. I think that's a that's a cool thing. Yeah. I'm sure it will. 
But man. All right, buddy. Well, I'll still, I'll be listening until you guys are off tonight. So everybody out there, take care. All right, Mike. Thanks again. It's nice meeting you, sir. Hey, you too. Thanks. Take care now. All right. Good night. Law enforcement people are trained observers. They are, they're generally, they're generally pretty good and they don't generally uh, get to that hysterical state for the most part. Um, I've got a cousin who's a, a deputy in uh, over in Michigan and, and he, you know, he tells me stories all the time of the things that he sees. And yeah, I suppose, you know, things that might upset most of us probably don't phase that, you know, those in law enforcement quite as much because, because they, they're the guys that got to deal with all the garbage. They're the guys that, and I'm not putting anybody down. I mean, you know, everybody has problems or whatever, but I'm just saying that these are the guys that we call when, when whatever's going on is more than we can handle. So they have to come take care of it and clean up a lot of stuff, but they're generally really good observers and they, and they tend to be real factual and they, they keep, they keep their observations, um, really pretty concise for the most part. Not that they're not prone to, you know, missing things and, and, uh, seeing things, uh, maybe incorrectly, but less prone, I would say than most of us and me included. Um, you know, I think that they've, they've seen a lot and I'm looking forward to that. So thank you, Mike, for calling in. Okay, everybody. I think it's time. We got to take a break. So don't go away and we'll be right back with more of the paranormal portal podcast in just a couple minutes. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in let's get back to it i got another one here Ooh, this one sounds pretty pretty gross but maybe not um this is a child seeing a spirit but the the story is titled dripping blood and a handless arm oh all right let's see what this one is Oh, it comes from North Carolina, by the way. This story takes place when I was around five, and I don't remember my exact age, but I know it was before I started grade school. The date was sometime before Christmas, and I was sharing the bed with my grandmother's room, uh, in my grandmother's room at the time, in our old cotton mill house, there were no halls. Granny's two bedroom doors opened one directly into the kitchen and one into the living room, and I remember I was lying on the bed, with Granny asleep beside me, looking at the Christmas tree, which was lit up in the living room. And one of the others in the house, either my great-aunt or cousin, apparently had not yet gone to bed. As I lay there, something caught my eye on the ceiling just a little to the right of the bed. It seemed some sort of liquid was forming on the ceiling. It dripped down onto the floor right beside me. The liquid appeared to be thick and dark, and I remember... Uh, I, I immediately thought that it was blood. But where was it coming from? The ceiling was just a regular ceiling with white tiles, and the liquid seemed to be dripping down from between the tiles. For some reason, and I don't know exactly why, this really scared me. I laid there in the darkness for, for a while, wondering what was going on. And I know this sounds strange. Remember, I'm a little kid. But I thought to myself that maybe a star had died. I, cry, I crawled down under the covers and finally went to sleep. The next morning was clothes washing day. When I woke up, I heard the old ringer-type washing machine going in the kitchen. I saw my grandmother, great-aunt, and cousin standing there by the bed, 
looking at the little pool of something brownish red on the floor. And they were discussing what it could be, but nobody had a clue. They wiped it up with an old rag. We didn't have paper towels in those days, and, and that was the end of it. And I never told anybody what I had seen. For reasons I can't explain, I was really afraid to talk about it. There was no stain on the ceiling where the stuff had come down. I still have no idea what this could have been. Could it have been some sort of animal injured in the ceiling? Uh, not if there's no stain on the ceiling, it couldn't have been. Uh, I never heard anything scratching around up in there. And there were never any unusual smells or anything to indicate a dead animal. Everything seemed just totally silent while it was dripping down, and this was never repeated. One more event occurred in this particular bedroom sometime around the same time. I remember I was lying in bed facing my sleeping grandmother, and this is one of those old iron beds with the vertical iron rods or bars on the headboard. Suddenly, I saw something that looked like an arm with no hand come up like from under the bed, through the iron bars, and down between our two pillows. Uh, it was just lying there, looking like an extremely long, handless arm. I remember it was very white. I didn't want to wake up my grandmother because I was afraid it would scare her too badly, so I raised up on my elbows and looked at it lying motionless there, and then I took my pinky finger <laughs> and pushed it back off the bed, and through the bars, I saw it pull itself under the bed and disappear. That, for some reason, did not scare me very much until I got to thinking about it later on. But ever since that time, I've made sure the pillows on the bed are pushed close together with no space in between before I go to sleep. Strange, huh? I'm sure I was wide awake when this, and this was no dream. When you think about it, it was so bizarre, though. That is bizarre. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if these events don't tailor themselves for the observer. Um, I don't know if there was actually a, a, somebody who lost a hand or something and was was really mangled. Um, maybe it wasn't a hand at all. Maybe it was some kind of <laughs> tentacle. Who knows? But I think that you know a lot of the, sometimes, not a lot of the times, but I think sometimes these experiences kind of tailor themselves for the observer. In these case, children. Children see some of the most bizarre things. And uh, they don't seem like the same kind of things that adults see, but they're still very supernatural and there's, there's still corroborative evidence on, you know, between different, different children seeing an event. Um, when questioned, they'll repeat that they saw the same thing as the other child. But, you know, when adults have experiences, the, they're very different in a lot of times, just the descriptions. And maybe the kids are seeing the more true form. Maybe the kids are able to see the true form of these things more than the adults can. Maybe adults just see the facade, like the apparition. The, it was, a, it was a, a floating apparition came through my room of an old man. Maybe a child would see that like a creature, and then you know it wasn't a human spirit at all. I don't know. Kind of, It's kind of perplexing, but it's it's incredibly profound, but I, I think that children are just naturally tuned into this stuff a lot more than we adults are. And again, I think it has a lot to do with our lives, our, um, our modern world. We're, we're asked to perform and to, and to be in touch and to be connected, and we have all these multimedia distractions around us, and I think we've, 
you know, we've wandered away from our natural awarenesses, if you will. So I think that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. But just, again, just my ideas. I, I always, I'm always thinking, every time I'm reading a story, ladies and gentlemen, I'm thinking about what's being explained and how does it relate to other things that I've heard. I'm always trying to put these pieces together because this is, this is really my quest. This is really my journey is to understand the paranormal. And I don't know if that's even possible. That's a, it's a very lofty goal, but you know, I'm still going to try. I'm still trying to, trying to make sense out of this because I think that there's many incredible things we can learn from it. <clears throat> Let's get to some more. This one's coming from Nebraska. Ooh, this one's pretty long. This might be the last story. All right, from Nebraska. Um, the real estate market and the number of foreclosures on mortgages are higher than ever before in history. This story is from 2008, so you'll understand why that's being referenced as that was the housing crisis. Um, unfortunately, this has not spared the Nebraska area. Our next-door neighbor, Mrs. McKenzie, became very aged and was placed in an assisted living facility about five years ago. And she had a beautiful large dog that resembled a lion in features, but it was the sweetest animal ever, and his name was Frank. Frank went to live with Mrs. McKenzie's son when she moved. He passed on about a month after being separated from her, and her family states he died of a broken heart, not being able to stand being separated from her. The house stood vacant for about two years. We visited Mrs. McKenzie a few times and had her to our home for dinner on a couple of occasions. Her physical and mental well-being appeared to be declining fairly rapidly, and there came a point where she was transferred to a skilled nursing facility and didn't know who anyone was when visited. And the only thing she talked about regularly was Frank, her beloved pet and companion. The Sunday before our new neighbors moved into the house, we received a call that Mrs. McKenzie had passed away. We attended the visitation on Monday night, and this, just, this, just as the last of the moving boxes were being taken into the house by the new neighbors. I baked a bunch of brownies about a week later and took them over to the neighbors to introduce myself. There was a husband, wife, 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and a 4-year-old in the family, and all were really very kind. A few days later, the husband, Mark, came and knocked on our door, and after we invited him in, he asked if we knew anyone had died in the house, and we advised him not that we were aware of. However, our house had been built in the 1920s, so we assume the house is probably about the same age. I asked why he was inquiring, and he told us that several times the family had encountered strange noises and items being moved. And he wasn't too concerned about those occurrences, though, as with families with kids, sometimes these things happen. He was, however, concerned about the dog barking. Apparently, every morning at 6 a.m., he would hear the dog barking near the, the rear of the house. and He could not tell at first if the noise was from the inside of the house or the outside. He set his alarm one morning and, and had his wife listen inside while he waited outside. She heard the barking, and he did not. Well, there was no dog in the house. We told him about Mrs. McKenzie and Frank, and this seemed to ease his mind, thinking that Mrs. McKenzie and Frank may be at the home to watch over them uh, before crossing over, ensuring that they cared for the home. Well, unfortunately, the family lost the home to the banks a month or so back, and 
We didn't know they were leaving until the moving truck arrived, and they then briefly told us they were victims of the economy, and the bank now owned the house. A couple of days after the family left, I left my house at 7 a.m. to go to work, and the only thing dividing the houses is a single-car driveway and about 12 feet of yard. My truck is parked in the driveway. I had the keen sense that I was being watched as I walked to my truck. I looked behind me and in front of me, and no one was there. And then I heard the dog's high-pitched whimper, and the type a dog lets out when it's craving attention, but very low, almost as if at a, dis- a distance. I glanced around a little longer, and then I heard the, the neighboring houses that was now vacant front door slam and I looked over at the house over and the house was as it had been 10 seconds earlier when I had looked that way vacant and dark I assumed I was imagining things and opened my truck door as I placed my briefcase in the back seat I heard the dog again I looked up and there was a woman with medium length dark hair about five feet two inches tall holding the leash of a large animal that looked like a wolf They were standing on the enclosed front porch of the vacant house, staring in my direction. I blinked twice, and they were gone. I was a bit shaken, to say the least, so I quickly got into my truck and locked the doors. I was saying my prayers and asking for protection from anything evil, and when I looked up to the second-story window of the vacant home, there was another woman and a man in the window. The woman was about 60 years old with graying hair standing about six feet tall. The man standing next to her appeared to be in his late 20s or early 30s, and he had shoulder-length blonde hair and broad shoulders, and he even appeared even taller than the six-foot woman I was seeing in, inside the picture window. Well, I stared for what felt like an eternity as they intently stared back at me. Then they vanished, and there was no wavering, no fading, just there one minute and gone the next. I've never seen these individuals, including the dog, before. The stare I received from them was almost menacing and left every fiber of my nerves on edge. This happened about three weeks ago, and although I have not seen the individuals again and have not heard anything more from the house, somehow I know, or someone, or something else, are there, and are watching. They're not emitting the most positive of energy, and it feels like more is being hidden than is being revealed. Wow. So there's a whole lot more history in that house, apparently, than that man knew. That's pretty wild. That's all kinds of wild. I'm just going to look at these other stories. There's, this one's quick. I'll read this one. And this will probably be the end of our journey tonight. So I'm going to read this one from Arkansas, and then that'll close the show, I think. So my cousin Nikki was and is my best friend. She was like a sister to me and was the classic teenager, gothic but won't admit it, into the much older dangerous guys. In fact, that is what led to her death. A drunken boyfriend driving her home and hitting a speed bump at 80 miles per hour. It all started October 9th of 2007. The reason I have it so well remembered is that was the day my cousin Nikki died. I'd been playing with my brother when I found out. When my mom told me, I ran to my room and sobbed my heart out. 
When I calmed down, I heard her. I heard Nikki. Don't cry, Becky. I'm still here. Sleep now. She had whispered into my ear. I didn't hear from her for a while, and I convinced myself it must just have been a dream. How very wrong that was. It was more than a week later, and I was hanging out with my friend, who we'll call Jewel. We were walking into the playroom when I saw her. She was a faint outline, as if made from dust, and I put my arm out, stopping Jewel. Go back to my room. Why? But seeing my expression, he fled, with me right on his heels. And when we got to my room, I told Jewel what had happened, and he suggested that we Google ghosts. <laughs> we came up with nothing, mostly because I spelled the ghost wrong. <laughs> Jewel suggested that we go to his house, and so we did, if only to get away from our terror, and we were sitting on his bed watching TV when I heard a long sigh and felt a cold blast of air, and I gasped. And Jewel, being as jumpy as he is, nearly fell off the bed. I updated him, and we searched for, the, for an AC, but all we found that might be the source was a fan, which was off at the time. That was the last I heard of her until we moved, and I'll write more later on. Huh. That's pretty powerful. So that was called Dead Not Gone. There's two other stories for this. I think I'll just read them since they're two other submissions for the same story. So, And they're both short, so it looks like. As I said in my past stories, I didn't hear from Nikki again until after we moved. Shortly after we settled in, a box from my aunt arrived, and it was full of things Nikki had owned, such as her basketball and music box. And Since I'm weird, I used to sleep on the couch in the living room, and I faced away from the kitchen which is only divided by a low counter from the living room. I used to stay up late reading, and that night was no exception. It was about 11.30 p.m. when I heard soft footsteps heading across the kitchen behind me. And I heard the fridge open and that soft humming sound it makes when you open it, and I called out as loudly as I brave, and bravely as I could, Hello? But no answer. Besides, the fridge door closed immediately. Well, this happens often, but uh, sometimes the fridge doesn't open. Or the footsteps sound like more like claws against the marble floor. Well, that's disheartening. <laughs> One day at school during the winter, I was wearing a, the jacket Nikki had left at my house before she had passed. And during math, I felt like someone was watching me from behind me. And I scanned the room, but everyone was working, even the teacher. This happened several times that day, even when no one was around. At lunch, I swear I saw her in, in line for a tray, but when I blinked, she was gone. I'd write more, but I realize how hard this is for me to write about. My story isn't over yet, though, and I will write more. And we're going to read more right now. And this one is... Uh, last night, I was in my room, and suddenly the lights started flipping on, off, on, off, on. I looked around thinking that it was that I was thinking that I was sitting on the light remote, but there it was on the floor in plain sight. It started turning on and off again, so I looked at my digital clock, but it wasn't turning on and off, so I looked at the remote again, and this time, to my absolute horror, I noticed as the lights turned on 
and off that the light button on the remote went up and down slowly as if someone was pushing it. This time it stayed off. When I finally fell asleep, I dreamed vividly of all my memories of Nikki, which were rapidly dwindling. I try not to think of her too often, which means I don't have a single non-still life memories. Sad, really. My soon-to-be, my soon-to-be cousin also sees Nikki in her own way. She dreams of Nikki, and in, her, in the dreams, Nikki tells her that she should not be around some of the kids she met that day or that she needs to wake up early once Nikki even told her to wake up and study for a test that she didn't know that she was having. Austin, Nikki's sister, also claims that Nikki's sister, Austin, Nikki's sister claims that he sees Nikki or she, I don't know, <laughs> uh, sees Nikki. So I'm not the only one who went crazy when Nikki died. I'm not completely alone in this strange new development. It pays to have friends. Wow, very cool stories. But, ladies and gentlemen, and I do mean but, that is going to wrap up our journey for tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio. As well as finding us on Twitter, we're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our, uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, out. check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So... Uh, stay tuned, but we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody. <laughs>